When I was in college, I experienced more attack because of my faith than at any other time in my life. It was a, a difficult time for me in uh, many respects. It was a lot of fun in other respects, but um, I had grown up in a Christian home. I had grown up going to church all of my life, and even though I had gone to public school, there was always a place during my week that I would spend time with, with Jesus and with His people. And when I went to college, I felt very alone. I, I left my family. I went several hours away by car to a new place where I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a church family. I spent the first several weeks looking for some sort of church community that I could connect with. I connected with a couple of Christians in the dormitory, but for the most part, they said they were Christians more than they actually were Christians. And the further we got into the school year, the more they identified less with Jesus and more with the people that were around them. And at the same time, I had people who were identifying me as a Christian and um, some out of malice and some just because they thought it was funny wanted to persecute me and attack me for my faith. And so they would challenge me to intellectual debates. They would insult me and attack me. They would try and shove sin right in my face and confront me with things and see how I would react just because they wanted to offend me. And I found it to be a very difficult time and I found it to myself to feel very alone in that. I recognize that compared to other places in the world, that's relatively minor persecution. That there are people all over the world who are being beaten for their faith, who are being killed for their faith. But I want to acknowledge that that's suffering nonetheless. And maybe you experienced that in places in your life. I've experienced it since then. It was just the most intensive then and I felt the most alone then. As I've grown up and the people around me, for the most part, have grown up, they're more mature in the way that they handle things than those college students were in my dormitory. But maybe you experience this kind of thing where because of your faith, people are attacking you. It might be a coworker, it might be a family member that doesn't understand and doesn't believe, but they're attacking you because of your faith. What do you do? When you're in those situations, how do you respond to that? Do you get defensive? Do you argue back? Do you get mad? What, what should our response be? Well, this is what Peter is talking about this morning in 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be, be beginning in uh, verse 12. And I want to read the end of chapter 4 for you. And then we'll come through back through and look at it piece by piece. Beloved, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God, and if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And 
If the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. He begins by saying, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. Don't, don't be surprised about these things. We, we live in a, a tolerant society where people put up with um, other people's things as long as it doesn't in, uh, impact me, that should be okay. That's the stated belief of the culture that we live in, that we should all just live and let live. As long as you're not hurting me, then we should just leave one another alone. But there are times at which they violate that. They would say that we should be tolerant of one another, but then when they see that you're a Christian, sometimes they just can't help themselves. They can't, just can't help themselves. And it, and it might come in the form of gentle needling and poking, just, just trying to, to get under your skin and irritate you a little bit. Or because of things that have happened in their past, their experience with other Christians and things, they might come right at you and attack you. Maybe physically, maybe, maybe verbally, and just come right at you. And, and when these things happen, we should not be surprised. We should not be surprised. Because it's, it's going to happen. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though str- something strange were happening to you. That, that's the way that I usually view that. Now, when I got to college, when I was in, in high school, I didn't have very many friends at the public school. Most of my friends were in the youth group at church, and so I spent a lot of time with them, very little interaction with the other kids at, at school. And then I got to college, and all of my interaction, it seemed like, was with non-Christians. And uh, when they started to um, tease me and make fun of me and uh, do things to bother me, I was surprised. Wait, what? What are you doing? Why is this happening? Why is my faith being tested like this? God, why, are, why is this happening? That people are being so unkind and rude about this. Why are they making such crass jokes? Why are they bringing stuff into my room to show it to me that I don't want to see? I wasn't expecting this kind of thing. Why is this happening? He says, don't be surprised about that. These kinds of experiences are very normal. They happen a lot. They don't happen necessarily to you every day. Maybe to some of you, they do happen every day. And you go, I'm not surprised anymore. This happens over and over and over and over again. For some of you that that's not your experience or it hasn't been your experience, don't be surprised when it comes. It will come. Sometimes it will be a big thing. Sometimes it will be a small thing. Sometimes you'll be attacked in the workplace. Sometimes you'll just be attacked by a neighbor or an acquaintance. It might come in the form of being berated or insulted. I don't know what it might look like for you. But don't be surprised when it comes. Anticipate that it will come. Anticipate that it will come. 
It's when you're unprepared that then you don't know how to deal with it. And so Peter wants us to know, uh, don't be surprised when it comes. Right? So if you're, um, if you're walking along and somebody jumps out at you, you're surprised by that and you don't, you're not prepared for that. If, if you have, um, experience, so when I was growing up, my brother and I liked to do that kind of thing to one another. So you would be walking through the house, probably in the dark because the lights were off, and you'd be walking through the house and suddenly someone would pop out of the shadows and go, ah! And the first several times that happened, I was surprised. And I went, ah! And I panicked. Well, after a little while, you begin to anticipate that sort of thing. You're prepared. You're no longer surprised. So that when you come walking around the corner and your brother goes, ah! like that, right in your face, you go, hey, bro. <laughs> really? I thought I was going to get you that time. No, I hadn't seen you in like five minutes. I knew it was coming. I just wasn't sure exactly when. That, that's the kind of attitude that we want to have when it comes to suffering for our faith. We don't want to be walking along um, blindly in the dark and suddenly surprised when somebody attacks us and go, what? And then panic like we don't know what to do about this. As though this was so unexpected that I would not have any idea how to respond and so we flail and scream like somebody jumped out of the shadows at us. We want to be prepared for it. So he says, don't, don't uh, be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. What a great contrast. When you're suffering... When you experience suffering, do not be surprised. Instead, rejoice. Celebrate. Be glad. Sing praise to God because you're suffering. That is not a normal response. When you start suffering, the normal response is not, you know, I really feel like singing a song. Praise God for this pain. Praise God for these insults. If you're surprised by the suffering, if you're surprised by the fiery trial, I guarantee your response is not going to be praise and rejoicing. It's in the preparation, the preparedness for that experience that then you can rejoice. Then you can praise God when it comes because you're anticipating it. Right? So, so this is why some people do martial arts and things, because they want their first response, if somebody jumps out at them, they want their first response to be, they're gonna strike first. Yep, you surprised me, but I'm gonna throw the first punch. With my brother, I wanted my response to be complete calm. So that no matter where or how he jumped out at me, I would have complete calm. Because I knew that would bother him more than anything else. Right? And so he, what he's saying is, we want you to condition your response 
to anticipate that the suffering is going to come, and when that suffering comes, your response is going to be to rejoice. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God because you share in Christ's sufferings. That you may also rejoice and be glad when His suffering is revealed. We're going to rejoice at at those times uh, when suffering costs us because it reminds us that Jesus suffered on our behalf. We get to suffer along with Him for the same reason, right? Jesus came and he, He suffered because He said, I am the Son of God. And people didn't like that. And when we say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, people don't like that. We're going to suffer for the same reasons because we are identifying with Jesus and He suffered. The world rejected Him and so we can expect that the world is going to reject us as well. We are going to suffer similarly because we are identifying with one who has suffered. We see this happen in Acts chapter 5 in verse 40. It says, And when they had called the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then they let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Every time I read through the book of Acts and I get to this piece, I marvel at that. That that was their response. That they were jailed, that they were beaten, that they were warned, don't you dare talk about Jesus anymore. And their response was, we were worthy to suffer for the sake of Jesus. And they were delighted to suffer in the name of Christ. And refused to stop teaching and preaching and rejoicing to tell people that Jesus was the chosen one, the Christ, the Messiah that God had promised. They suffered for it. They delighted. They rejoiced to suffer for it. Note, though, that this rejoicing in the suffering, there there are a lot of people that will talk about um, that attitude. That we should... um, appreciate the struggle, that we should appreciate the challenge, that we should appreciate the suffering because, and this is great words of wisdom, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And so that's the hope that the world would give you. If you're suffering, whatever doesn't kill you just makes you stronger. As if that is the point of the suffering. That, the, that we should want to suffer because if we suffer, then we are made stronger. That is not what's happening here. It is not that we might be made stronger in our suffering. That's not why God allows the suffering. God allows the suffering that we might rejoice in being identified with Him. It's a confirmation 
that we are identified with Jesus. We're sharing in His experiences and we're sharing similar suffering. Because, verse 14, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If you're insulted for the the name of Christ, you are blessed because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's why we rejoice in the suffering. It's because it's confirmation to us that the Holy Spirit is in us and working in us. That there is something transforming us, some, something that is happening within us that is distinguishing us from the world and identifying us with Jesus, making us to be worthy of suffering likewise in His name. And because we have that confirmation, then we can rejoice. Now we have another contrast in verses four, between verses 14 and 15. He says, if you're insulted, this is for verse 14, if you're insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But, verse 15, let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. We're not just talking about any old suffering. There are lots of different types of suffering that are very real and we have spent other times talking about that kind of suffering. And then there is the kind of suffering that uh, is self-imposed. Right? It, this is some consequences that I have brought upon myself. If I'm a murderer, if I am a thief, if I am an evildoer, I am bringing this suffering upon myself. I deserve to suffer. Right? When we see people um, who have done awful and atrocious things and then they suffer for it, oh man, social media goes crazy for that kind of stuff. Yeah! He deserved that. Totally deserved that. What an awful person. Down, die! They, they love to see people that do evil things suffer the consequences of that. Paul, Peter is saying, don't be that. If you're going to suffer, suffer for the sake of Christ. Don't suffer because you're doing something wrong. Even if they are accusing you as a Christian of being murderers or being thieves or being evildoers, don't let those things be actually true. Don't, don't suffer because of that. Suffer because you're identifying with Christ. Look at this list too. Let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or an evildoer, or as a meddler. I love that he included meddling in this list. Because I think that very often, uh, this is the one that Christians need to worry about. They need to focus on this one. Most of you are not suffering as a murderer. Right? That you're not worried too much about that, suffering as a murderer. You should be concerned about not suffering as a meddler. Though we rejoice when the suffering comes, we are not out seeking it. We're not looking for it. Right? We're, we're not out there um, poking the bear so that we can rejoice when the bear attacks us 
and go, oh, look at how I'm suffering for the sake of Christ. No, you're not. You're suffering because you poked a bear. That's not the same thing. You've seen little kids, right? Where the one little kid is just picking at and irritating the bigger one. Pick, 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 pick. And then finally the bigger one explodes. Boom! Dad! What am I going to do? You totally deserve that. You brought it on yourself. And so I end up having to have a conversation with this one about, okay, you shouldn't do that. I totally get it, though. (laughs) As Christians, we are not seeking suffering. We're not looking to be slighted at every single offense. We're not looking to borrow other people's offenses and sufferings on ourselves so that somehow we can suffer for the sake of Christ. That'll happen on its own. You can be insulted on on your own for things that are actually just about the name of Christ and not because you're poking your nose in places where you shouldn't. Just because you're getting on to social media and weighing in on things and then people come after you because of that, that's not suffering for the sake of Christ that was meddling to begin with and you're just reaping the consequences of being a busybody who's meddling in stuff that you should leave be. Don't suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. If you're going to suffer, suffer for the sake of Christ. Yet, verse 16, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Let him not be ashamed. When I was in college and people were uh, attacking me for my faith, I was looking around. And you know how this happens? Well, let's be honest. You're looking for other people to confirm that you're not crazy. You're looking for other people around you to validate that what you're doing is right, what you're doing is good. We're, we're social creatures. We crave that. We crave the approval and, and the um, support of people around us, a community and a support system. And when you're all alone, you go, maybe I'm wrong. And you might be embarrassed to, to keep talking about who Jesus is. You might be embarrassed or ashamed to admit that you're a Christian. At some point, you just want to keep your head down and when they start talking about things, you just kind of... Keep your mouth shut and hide because you're ashamed. You don't want people to know because of what they might say. Try and keep it hidden. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Be willing to say, yeah, I'm a Christian. Be bold to say that. There may be contexts where uh, people don't know that you are a Christian. Maybe you've kept it that way on purpose. You've tried to keep it hidden because you're afraid of the responses that they might get or because they've said something in the past and so now you just sort of keep quiet about it. But be willing to say, no, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's what I believe. This is what that means. 
And then should you suffer insult because of the sake of the name of Jesus that you have adopted and said, I am a a Christ follower. I am a Christian. Then rejoice. Glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? For it's time for the judgment to begin at the household of God. Well, I know that at the end of time, God will judge the living and the dead, and there will be a great judgment and all things will be made right. But this has that kind of end times sort of judgment flavor to it. That this end times sort of judgment is already beginning. And what he's saying is, I I believe that this is um, not the, um, the verdict punishment sort of judgment. Right, that you've been evaluated and so here is the verdict and here is the punishment, but rather the, the judging as sort of a testing evaluation process. That end times judgment and verdict will be given. Right now we're in this testing and evaluation process. This judgment is happening right now. You are being um, tested and evaluated, how are you responding to these things? Are you going to identify with the world, or are you going to identify with Jesus? Where is your hope really? Is your hope in your comfort? In your, is your hope in your social status? Or is your hope in Jesus? And one of the things that suffering does for us, one of the reasons that we can, can celebrate and rejoice when we're suffering in the name of Christ is that it is confirmation to us that our hope is in the right place. Because when we are suffering th- through those things, we go, huh, what do you know? My hope is in Jesus. And when this suffering came, I identified with Jesus. It's confirmation to us and it's a demonstration that, that we are followers of Jesus through and through. Sometimes you don't know that until you've been tested. A couple of years ago, Pastor Scott was working on a challenge that was a, a 100 push-up challenge. And I happened to be in the congregation and he said, is there anybody here that can do 100 push-ups? And I, went, I wonder if I could do 100 push-ups. And he said, uh, <laughs> I still remember this, he said, if you're not sure if you can do 100 push-ups or not, you can do 30. I was like, I can definitely do more than 30. I did 31. <laughs> but it wasn't until I was doing the push-ups that I realized, Oh, this is where I fall on the spectrum of being able to do push-ups. It's when that suffering happens, when your faith is attacked and when your faith is tested, that you confirm both to yourself and to anyone who happens to be observing it, yes, I'm a Christian. Not just with my words, but in reality. This is why when I'm talking with people and they're saying, I think there's going to be more and more persecution in the United States in the next couple of decades. And I think, that's not all bad. That's not all bad. Because when there's more and more testing, 
of our faith, when there's more and more persecution for our faith, then we find ourselves being refined. And there are going to be people who have been saying that they're Christians who stop saying that they're Christians. And for people who uh, continue to claim to be Christians, they're going to know, yep, I am a Christian. I am identifying with Christ even when it's hard. Even when we aren't uh, at the top of the social ladder. Even when it's not a popular thing, I'm still going to identify with Jesus. It's this time of proving your faith and refining it. Peter has already talked about this in in 1 Peter 1. He says, in this you rejoice. That's uh, in the salvation through Jesus. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Why have you been grieved by various trials? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, that faith which is more precious than gold that perishes even though it's tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As your faith is being tested, that faith that is so precious that it's more precious than gold, it will be shown to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's no wonder when Peter started his letter this way that he should come back to it again in chapter 4 and say, so don't be surprised when that kind of fiery, testing, refining fire comes. We used to sing a song in the church, uh, Refiner's Fire. It was a very uh, lovely, pretty song. Gent- Refiner's Fire, my heart's one desire is to be holy. Right? As though this is a very gentle process. <laughs> I just desire to be holy. Oh, come, Refiner's Fire, peacefully sweep over me. I still like that song, admittedly. But I don't think that the refining fire is going to peacefully sweep over us. I think that we shouldn't be surprised when the suffering comes, when the attack for our faith comes, when the insults come, when the injuries come. But we should nevertheless rejoice. James, in chapter 1, says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. This is what suffering for the sake of Christ does for us. We identify with Him. We um, endure the consequences of identifying with Him and it refines our faith. Notice how this continues in verse 17 of 1 Peter chapter 4. For it's time for the judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? 
Look, we may suffer some now, this refining fire that works through us and proves to us the genuineness of our faith. But if that's the case for us now, if we're suffering some insults now, even if we're suffering beatings and death now, what about those who aren't proclaiming faith in Christ? What will be the outcome for them? We ought to pray for them. Even those who are bringing the accusations against us, the unjust accusations against us, the insults against us, we ought to be praying for them. This is why Jesus on the cross prayed, Father, forgive them because they don't understand what they are doing. The people who are attacking us do not understand what they are doing. Which is why our response needs to be to rejoice that we have um, been counted worthy to suffer now for the sake of Christ. Our inclination in our flesh might otherwise be to strike back. Yeah, well you think I'm so dumb because I believe in Jesus? You should look at the mirror. Look at how dumb you are. What's going to become of them? What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? If the righteous is scarcely saved, then what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 says this, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. Since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who afflict you and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inf inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus, they will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when He comes on that day to be glorified in His saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed, because of our testimony to you was believed. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of good uh, faith by His power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Right now there is a testing judgment. In the end, there will be a great judgment. May we rejoice now in anticipation of the outcome for us of that great judgment. That we might make it through. Verse 19 of 1 Peter chapter 4, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. May we entrust ourselves to God. It may be God's will for now that we experience some suffering, some in greater degrees and some in lesser degrees. There may be times in your life that your suffering is greater and there may be times in your life that your suffering is less. But whatever God's will for the suffering for you in your life, may we rejoice 
in that and continue to entrust our souls to Him. May He still our souls. May we be able to be quiet before Him and rejoice because of the time that is to come. When we experience uh, suffering and slander and insult, we remember and rejoice that Jesus also suffered and we have been identified with Him. As 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that He might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. In the Spirit. It seems appropriate then that we should remember His suffering. That even in our sufferings we would remember His suffering, but that we should remember His suffering on an ongoing basis. That it was through His suffering that we are made reconciled with God. And so this morning we're going to take communion together to do that very thing. If you believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, then I would encourage you during the next song that you would uh, come up, there's a table here and there's a table in the back. You can take the bread and the cup back to your seat and then I'll come back up after this next song and we will uh, take communion together. Remembering that Jesus suffered on our behalf so that we might be reconciled to God and grateful to whatever degree that we might be counted worthy to suffer in His name. Let's pray. Father, we want to confess to You that we don't enjoy suffering. That it seems strange. That it seems unusual, unnatural. That sometimes it seems unnecessary. And so, Father, we ask that You would help us to fix our minds on Jesus. That when suffering for the sake of Christ comes, we would not be surprised, but rather we would rejoice because it is indicative of the delight and the glory that we will share with you in eternity. And Father, we pray for now that we might encourage one another as we uh, seek to follow you in Jesus' name. Amen.